Hi, y'all. This is Day and Ari with Windchill Time. Thanks for joining us again. It's Monday, October 14th, about 1 p.m. Hola. What's Windchill Time, Ari? Funny you ask, Day. What? <laughs> you always say it's funny. <laughs> I don't know what's funny about that. <laughs> but you're choking on your ice cream. Go, go. Don't leave that in there. <laughs> Welcome to Windchill Time, y'all. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is a non-technical, fun, informative way to learn about Bitcoin, blockchains, and digital assets for parents and busy working folks who are curious about these technologies. Day and myself and our guests talk about these evolutionary systems of money and what they touch in all of our lives. Because what part of your life does money not touch? This podcast is not financial advice, and your reactions are your total and complete and absolute responsibility, y'all. Thanks again, and enjoy the show. Good job on the reading. So who are you, Day? So I'm a uh, really big cheerleader in this uh, space of crypto assets, digital assets, and Bitcoin, and also um, an investor, independent investor, along with Air here, and then... uh, in my past, I was an internet engineer, I guess is the simplest way to say it, but I worked on wide area networks for big companies. Ari? I'm the chair of the Cascadia Blockchain Council, powered by the WTIA. It's the Washington Technology Industry Association, the largest technology industry, industry association in the United States. It powers over 1,100 technology companies, everyone from Portland all the way up to Vancouver, BC. And we create one collective voice. And as the Blockchain Council, we're focused on educating and bringing awareness to policymakers and investors. Very nice. Thanks. Very, very nice. When's the next uh, monthly happy hour? Is that in the books yet? So uh, the next monthly happy hour is going to be the first week of November. We're working on locking down the venue, likely Optimism Brewery. Okay. Uh, so as soon as I have the date, I'll send out a notice, and so will the WTIA. That's a nice venue because they allow you to bring outside food in. Yeah, and yeah. you get food trucks, and I mean, nice you can even get location. mini beers. Right, even get mini beers for like two, three bucks. So yeah, yeah, totally yeah. great. Okay, quick review of the sponsors. Yeah, so WTI is one of our sponsors. Thank you so much for all that you do and also enabling the uh, Cascadia Blockchain Council. Another sponsor is CoinMe. They're one of the uh, best on-ramps from cash to Bitcoin and digital assets. They have ATMs that are also powered by the... uh, Yes, and they have ATMs powered with the uh, Coinstar partnership. And so there's 26,000 Coinstar uh, ATMs. 26,000 Coinstar ATMs across the United States. States, they've lit up already 2,600 CoinMe software into the ATMs. And so over the next couple of years, you'll see more and more Coinstar ATMs enabled with CoinMe software, which is incredible. Because uh, who doesn't know where a Coinstar machine is? They're literally everywhere, in every Safeway, grocery stores, all over the world. They also have uh, private client services, so it's sort of like your Merrill Lynch guy. You can do trades and all sorts of different things with them. And they also have a 401k and IRA services. Another sponsor is FreshChalk.com, F-R-E-S-H-C-H-A-L-K. It is your best friend's recommendation engine. If you're going to get a recommendation for a plumber or someone to come in and help you with services, or you're looking for just a really great product or service, would you rather check you know, some random person that wrote a review on Yelp? Or would you rather get a recommendation from a friend that you know is really awesome at picking these sort of things? So check out freshchalk.com. And then as we mentioned, the WTI again. 
Oh, I already did that in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> All right, quick Satoshi math. If you take the price of Bitcoin... Wait, what's the b- price of Bitcoin today? of the Apple app. So I don't know if many people know this, but off of the Apple Stocks app, mm-hmm. you can actually look up the pairing of Bitcoin with the U.S. dollar. Uh, so you can look it up just as if it were a stock of Apple or Microsoft. Looking it up a little while ago, it was $8,346. We're holding in the low eights right there. And so to do Satoshi math, you take the number one, which represents $1 of dirty fiat. And then you divide it by a decimalized version of the 8346 into eight decimal places. So that's 0. 0.00000. 8346, and then you wind up getting, drum roll, sound effects from Ari, 11,981 Satoshis. So anything above 10,000 Satoshis per dollar is actually pretty good. So I was seeing some tweets about how, you know, in a few years, if the price of Bitcoin per Bitcoin goes the way that everybody thinks it is, Mm -hmm. then you are going to be very woefully regretful about not having gotten at least a few Satoshis when you could get at least 10,000 Satoshis per dollar. Yes. Hashtag perspective. <laughs> Hashtag stacking sets. Quick events reminder. So we are going to be in Vegas, Ari and I, at the end of this month. So it's going to be Monday, Tuesday, and, and Wednesday. Wednesday, that last week in Vegas, yes. when we'll be there. So the week of October 27 is when Vegas Blockchain Week happens. There'll be Money 2020, Coin Agenda Global, WCC, Litecoin Summit. There's also a crypto poker tournament and a whole host of events. So if you or anyone will be there, please do look us up. We do try and create uh, different cohorts and meetups while there so that we can kind of, I don't know, enjoy the the plethora of events together. Did you and get I- confirmation for the poker game yet? I did. <laughs> so I will be in the poker tournament. Woohoo! I the love Mike playing Tyson poker. Mansion. I know that's gonna be weird and crazy. Uh, hey, Matt Case, if you're out there listening, let us know if you are also going to be playing in the same poker tournament at the Mike Tyson Mansion. Yeah, let me know what table you're at, cause you know <laughs> that'll be so funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and and so, so then the next one is going to be TF Block. They're having their fourth TF Block conference on November 14th. So check out the uh, website to register and all that. Mr. Jonathan G. Blanco prefers to buy, have us buy tickets earlier because, you know, a lot of it is on his own dime. And so the more that we can kind of give him a little more proactive help, that does help him help us help us all. Beginning of November will be the next uh, blockchain happy hour. So we'll be uh, scheduling that out. Ooh, so there's a couple more events related to our sponsors. CoinMe will be having a webinar on October 22nd on the importance of Bitcoin. So there are two PCS private client services advisors, Brian and Brent will be hosting this webinar. So I recommend checking it out. I think that's it. So I did create a new page off of the windshieldtime.studio slash calendar. It's a new brand new page. I created it on our website to oh, summarize all the events. So again, that's www.windshieldtime.studio slash calendar. Ooh. And I'm going to put up all these events uh, there with hyperlinks and everything. You know what? This is scaling. This will help us scale <laughs> and become more efficient. Yeah. Ooh. Well, I mean, it's, it's purely 
in our own self-interest in order to kind of have a uh, public place where we can easily find these hyperlinks and events. Because yeah. and then and then of course it's like, hey, if we're doing it for ourselves, might as well just make it a public deal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. make it easier for everybody. All right, so we're gonna go into a little bit chit chat here about what's been going on with the uh, Facebook Libra. It's it's been very dramatic. Yeah, lately. everyone's quitting. Everyone's quitting. <laughs> One after the other. It was like three on Friday and like a bunch on Monday. Yeah. Today's Monday. <laughs> Today's Monday. Yeah. October 14th, Monday. So yeah, everybody's dropping out. So PayPal had already dropped out. I think they were one of the first ones. PayPal and was the first. MasterCard, Stripe, Visa, Visa and eBay are eBay. all now dropping out. And there's out. a couple more. So I think a total of eight have quit Libra. Each time a company quits, they uh, put out a press quote on why they're leaving. And it's always to some general, you know, just of a, we still support cryptocurrencies and digital assets we think it is the future but we're going to be focused on something else right now <laughs> <laughs> i mean eb was like we want to we still support this digital asset future but we're going to focus on providing our customers with a better payment processing <laughs> you know something or whatever right it's did you read them no i didn't read any of the press releases so i'm going to include a link to the full five minute video clip of the cnbc deal uh the interview that pomp did this morning they mm-hmm. go into it in pretty good overview what i wish they would use is my analogy, which is that, um, you know, Facebook and Libra, all of the centralized Facebook corporation controlling mm-hmm. everything, to me, is like a repeat of the AOL story. Oh, I was yeah, doing some math. Completely. In the 2000, you know, time frame, 30-year-olds these days were about 10 years old. So <laughs> basically, they probably don't really remember AOL. And so it's only the older generation that remembers AOL, the wall garden that it was. Yeah. And ultimately, it, it went away because the open, public, real internet became what it, well, it is what it is. It's the real, public, open internet. Decentralized. Yeah. The distributed. Distributed, distributed yeah. source of distributed. information. Yeah. yeah. Now, uh, you have the same analog- analogous situation as what I'm seeing is that instead of the AOL 2.0, which is Facebook and Libra and what they want to do with their digital currency, their yeah. stable coin, their yeah. basket of you know fiat currencies and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, you got that versus Bitcoin, which is internet native. Mm-hmm. It's uh, all the different wonderful qualities that Travis Kling and the Ikigai guys <laughs> you know call out. And so, and he does it like a speech, like it's like a automated blah 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 yes, blah, exactly. blah blah. It's amazing. Global, non-sovereign, hard cap supply. I I, I don't even know the, all of all the adjectives, but there's a lot of adjectives Let's there. Put that to your bucket list of things to be able to do. Actually, I'm gonna write up. A, I'm planning on writing up a medium post, a fun medium post about Ooh, all those. You're gonna be uh, entering adjectives. medium. Yeah, we'll <gasps> see. Is this going to be your first medium post? Uh, no, I've done it before. Oh, you but have? But uh, when, when I was blogging and stuff. <laughs> Bad wife, I don't remember, sorry. Yeah, but it's going to be... It's, I, I think I'm going to try to spin it in a really fun way mm-hmm. to more pop culture references mm-hmm. on all those uh, very, very um, uh, academic and technical terms. Sweet. So we'll see how it goes. I got a rough draft right now, so I just got to add more to it. Great. So anyway... Um, yeah, a lot of stuff going on about that. All of this is just PR. I mean, it's just noise. It's a little bit of drama. At the end of the day, you know, long term, mm-hmm. you want to focus on long term. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I firmly believe history has already shown us that the path is towards Bitcoin. I like a lot of other projects. I really do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, long term, 
for the truly global decentralized hard cap supply non-sovereign <laughs> <laughs> new money of the 21st and 22nd and onward centuries, yeah, it's probably going to be Bitcoin. I think you drank the punch. You, had, you took the red pill, <laughs> I, uh, didn't you? I took the red pill and I drank a whole bunch of uh, Kool-Aid. Yeah. Can I read some of the quotes? Sure. Just because, you know, not everybody's going to go and like look this up and read about it. So um, here's a quote by MasterCard spokesperson. <clears throat> MasterCard has decided it will not become a member of Libra at this time. We remain focused on our strategy and our own significant efforts to enable financial inclusion around the world. We believe that there are potential benefits in such initiatives and we will continue to monitor the Libra effort, end quote. Very, very politically correct. Mm-hmm. Oh, here's there's some more. So Visa, here's Visa. <clears throat> Visa has decided not to join the Libra Association at this time. We will continue to evaluate and our ultimate decision will be determined by a number of factors, including the association's ability to fully satisfy all the requisite regulatory expectations. Visa's continued interest in Libra stands from our belief that well-regulated blockchain-based networks could extend the value of secure digital payments to a greater number of people and places, particularly in emerging and developing markets. Here's the third one. This, is, <laughs> this gets even better. Ready? <clears throat> eBay spokesperson told this uh, article, uh, FT, on Coindesk.com, that while the company respects Libra Association's vision, it was instead choosing to focus on releasing a, quote, managed payments experience for its customers, end quote. So you can tell they're all kind of saying like, yeah, nice idea, but we have better things and higher priorities. Here's a crazy idea. What? What if somehow or another Facebook and Libra get through, you know, all this regulatory stuff and then these companies decide to maybe rejoin? Maybe. That could be something even more dramatic about them leaving and then coming back. I don't know. It's all about incentives. What's it worth to you? You Why do you want me in there? It reminds me sort of like startup fundraising, you know, investors, they say like, hey, I'm just going to bookmark it. Hey, just, you know, let me know and let me know if you find a lead, blah, 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 blah. And so it might be one of those. Or you know what? Uh, One of the benefits of Facebook Libra is that it's getting the conversation going, getting the awareness out there, uh, getting people working on different projects that are related or not related, but they're at least, you know, circling around the, uh, the main campfire here. And then some regulatory stuff gets fast-tracked. I mean, even the you know past week, the SEC, the CFTC, the uh, FinCEN, IRS have all released ver- various forms of guidance around crypto and digital assets. And so, you know, more legitimacy is coming in with more guidance and more uh, regulatory clarity. And then we're off to a whole, whole different set of projects in the future after this regulatory clarity uh, comes through faster. Yep. You know? Yep. <laughs> I can't just can't help but think about how long this intro is running. <laughs> can we move on? <laughs> yeah, we can move on. All right, we can. I mean, we can always get on soapboxes, uh, you know, to indefinite degree, and talking about sunlight being the best disinfectant, and all kinds of other very very fun topics in this uh, space that we're in. The main speaker for this podcast episode is really really amazing. I mean. I was near tears. I think I even shed a few tears during the episode just because of how much reality was exposed and how much of my biases or ignorance. I just don't know anything about the jail and prison system in the United States. And, you know, from a kid, you're taught all bad guys go to jail. Like if they're doing something bad, go put them in jail and that's it. You kick them to the curb. And the inhumanity of that that stance really became 
don't know, just, uh, I mean, we learned what a, the difference between a jail and prison. We learned that prisoners make like, what, 45 cents an hour. That's their wage. And then uh, when they go to prison, they're also like left with all these bills, you know, the court fees and legal fees and all the different fees that they have to now, <laughs> 45 cents an hour, like that, I, that's, that's like, I had no idea. And I think the theme of it was, there's something really wrong going on here. And the prison system, uh, Leo stated that uh, it's at capacity, 103% at capacity nationwide right now. We're not doing something right. There's definitely an inhumane aspect to how we're actually treating real human beings in the prison system. We're not helping them get back to society. And at the end of the day, we need to think and find a different way to handle the edge cases of human society. Um, How do we bring them back up and how do we rise together. So we're going to go straight into, after the Dom uh, reading of the Disclosures Disclaimers, we're going to go straight into the full-blown episode of Leo Novsky, Executive Director of the Washington branch of Defy Ventures. Yes, and then we'll also be following this podcast up in the next several weeks with a December 5th visit to Defy Ventures up in the Monroe prisons. So that's also coming up. And if you'd like to join in that uh, trip to the uh, prison December 5th, please contact us or Leo Nofsky. Thank you. We're going to go into the full episode now. So thanks a lot for listening and uh, be nice to each other, y'all. Uh, I think you'll really enjoy this one. Together we rise. Rate, review, subscribe, share. Bye. Rate, review, subscribe, share. And thank you for listening and being on this journey with us. Uh, this is going to be an incredible episode and we can only do this with your support. So don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast or this podcast episode if you love it. And we will forever be eternally grateful to you. Rate, th- review, subscribe, and share. And I think that out of those four actions, the most important is... Sharing is caring. Exactly. Sharing. Uh, so if you do one thing with this podcast, out of those four, share. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Hi, y'all. This is Dom from CoinMe, or you might know me from The Blockchain Minute, your daily show for the most important story on the blockchain. None of the statements or opinions expressed in this podcast by the guests or its host is to be taken as financial advice or a solicitation of any kind to participate in a conservative or risky or speculative financial instrument that may or may not require accredited investor status as defined by either the Security and Exchange Commission of the United States of America, or independent thought and rational thinking from the laws of humanity. By listening to this podcast, you acknowledge that the hosts, Arian Day, and their guests are not financial advisors of any kind, but only humans and not sentient intergalactic alien life forms. All statements made in this podcast by any living or dead or unborn or zombie or robotic entity in the past, present, or future of the space-time continuum of this known universe are purely ironic or coincidental thoughts and opinions. Moments of sarcasm, sadness, education, glee, entertainment, or any other emotion that may be found in this podcast are fully your responsibility and reaction that may or may not be intended for the listener in any way, shape, or form. Mature adult discretion is strongly advised. Thank you for listening. All right. So, Ari, what's the uh, what's the background story behind you meeting Leo a while back? That was in the Giftstarter days. And so uh, you were able to connect and get some work 
uh, done together. Yes, back in the day, this is around 2014 and 15 or so, I was working on my pitch and in the midst of fundraising and telling the story of, you know, being a, a founder, CEO, uh, new mom in the process. And uh, I met Leo, who, Leo Nowski, who introduced welcome, himself. Welcome in here, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, I thank I you for coming appreciate being in. here. It's super <laughs> fun to be back. Yeah. Yeah, and so I met Leo, and I heard that he was a story doula. And so I went and visited him very shortly after in his office, and he came in, and he said, hey, so tell me your story. And I think for the first five, ten minutes, I was like, get started, it's a thing, like, really, it's the best thing ever. She hated my guts. And then he's like, no, 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 just stop, like, throw that entire presentation apart. It's, it's no good. It's no good. Start from the beginning. Like, why are you doing this? And then he literally unleashed me. Um, he literally started, he, he's, with that, he, I remember you like put it onto the whiteboard and you said, all right, that sounds really good. Keep going, keep going, keep going. And I, the story just kept on going out. You know, I was trying to solve this problem and I did this and I did this and it didn't work. And I was really, really moving forward. And I don't, so, I don't so tell us then how you got up to that point to meeting Ari, you know, a little bit of Your background and, and all of that. Yeah. As a communication coach, uh, I have a consulting company called Speak With Power Consulting. And so my passion has been and always will be to unlock untapped human potential one authentic story at a time. And it's that story that really changes the world. Uh, I met Ari because I was and still am really involved in an entrepreneurship ecosystem in Seattle. Uh, She was one of those uh, entrepreneurs who was recommended, uh, who I was recommended to, to really help bring out her story. And he did. Which means means she's brilliant and stubborn at the same time. And so (laughs) that's, if you don't know that already... One of the things that I found with Ari, and the same thing that applies to the work that I'm doing now inside prisons, is that our stories make up our reality. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Reality doesn't make stories. Reality creates data at best, Mm -hmm. and then we as humans take that data, put it through our vision mill from the previous life, and then make up a story about it. And then that story really creates the new new reality and our reality then gets perpetuated by the stories perception is reality perception is reality and very often what i found in my my work as a coach is that when the stories get brought out reality changes and uh, so since i've since 2014 about the same time as i met ari i um, went to prison Uh, not in the way that people think. (laughs) I went to prison as a volunteer, as part of Toastmasters. It was one of the best clubs in our district. For those of you who don't know, Toastmasters is speaking and leadership club. And I wanted to find out, like, what's their secret? Why are they that good? And I thought it was kind of like fight club for Toastmasters. You "You want an evaluation? Come over here. I'll show you. You'll never do that again. And uh, about the same time, about 2014, I realized that uh, when I went, I realized that everything that I knew or thought I knew about crime and punishment, about our criminal justice system, was completely off. To the point where it's 
literally almost nothing that I know about it or nothing that majority of people think about it, they know about it, mm-hmm. is actually true. Okay, so if we could just pause uh, right there for just a second. Uh, so how long have you been involved with Defy Ventures then? And so you're the executive director of the Washington... Chapter. Chapter, okay. Yeah, right. so, uh, so uh, right now I my major job and my passion is uh, as an executive director of Defy Ventures Washington. We're an independent nonprofit that licenses the five interest curriculum, mm. which has been shown in five other states to do incredible work. Mm. And it started in California? It started in New York originally, oh, New York. and then okay. in New York and uh, California is where it really started to develop because uh, Google donated $2.2 million to develop curriculum on the inside. Wow. And uh, the, the five interests in general started by... Uh, a visionary uh, woman by the name of Catherine Hoke, Cat Hoke. And uh, when I went uh, and found Defy in uh, late 2017, I was already doing a lot of work in prisons. Uh, I had my own nonprofit uh, called Restartup Academy, and we were doing some of this similar work. And I was teaching at Edmonds Community College inside the prison just to see what is the gold standard. And neither of those were gold standards. And when I f- heard a podcast, very much like yours, uh, from <laughs> Tim Ferriss. Thank you, thank you. Shout out to Tim Ferriss. Tim Ferriss, Love his yay. work, yes, yes. And he, uh, he was interviewing Kat. It, my eyes opened up, and I said, I got to go check this program out. And I was already doing four years worth of work inside prison, so I pretty much thought I knew what I was doing. And uh, I went to R.J. Donovan Prison, which is a maximum security prison uh, on southern border of uh, California. Uh-huh. It was so close to southern border that my phone said, welcome to Mexico. Mm. And I thought, you know, I belong there as a coach. This was a graduation, and it was uh, very much like the ones we are running now in uh, Twin Rivers unit in Monroe. It was business plan competition, so I thought, hey, I'm a serial entrepreneur, mm-hmm. I'm a communication coach, I'm a pitch doctor, and I am actually am, you know, work in prisons. I mean, if there is one volunteer here among all you other 50 or 60 <laughs> people that is qualified to do this work, it's mm-hmm. me. Yeah, for those of you who know how arrogance work, it doesn't. So what I, <laughs> what I what I found is that I knew nothing, and more specifically, I fi- found out the secret sauce. What's the secret? And the sauce? secret sauce for you and your listeners is that we're all a product of our mentors. Hundred percent. Actually, Ari's been yelling at me about that for a while now. So we've been married by eight years, but she says that we are the product of the top five people that we spend the most time with. Yeah. It's and true. So, yeah. So it if you true. can optimize for spending more time with mentors, then absolutely. Well, mentors are will be there. It's not about optimizing time with them. You will have them no matter what. This is the different. This is the thing that I understood and still understand in the work that I'm doing inside prisons, and that is you and I and mm-hmm. your listeners are products of our mentors. We listen to people who we care about and we respect, and then we follow their directions. Those people who've been incarcerated for violent crimes. Uh-huh. So violent crimes being like... Murder, assault, sexual uh, crime, uh, robbery, uh, drug offenses. All of those people that we tend to just throw into the thing of like they're wasted people, they're garbage. They're bad. Lock them up. They're bad. Yeah. Lock them up and throw away the key. They're also product of their mentors. And their mentors were similarly 
bad. Exactly. They, they've, they've, they've done similar things. They learned to do this from somewhere. And so what our program does, what mm-hmm. the Five Ventures does and Restartup Academy that runs this program does, is that we bring, we teach a nine-month-long curriculum inside the prison that covers entrepreneurship, employment skills, personal empowerment skills. That is really transformative from the inside out. But then we also bring in mentors uh, four times during this program, 40 or 30 at a time, to help them with their interview skills, with their ideas, with their business concepts, and with forgiveness and connection and humanity. First, uh, how do you define a mentor? What is a mentor to you? So a mentor is someone who cares about your well-being mm-hmm. and who has value to share with you, mm-hmm. who has knowledge that you, as a mentee, mm-hmm. are hungry for, mm-hmm. that you are open to. Mm-hmm. It's a two-way relationship where both parties get incredible value, one of knowledge and connection, the other one of meaning and legacy. And that's what mentorship means to me. So then for context, uh, even taking another step back, who are your mentors uh, that frame your definition of mentor? And then I have more questions on, like, what is a prison? Because not everybody knows what... We just think of jail cells, and I think of jail as prison, too. So who are your mentors first? And then how do we define jail and prison? As many people who are listening to this, uh, their parents and my parents are definitely my mentors. They're the ones who formed my... Uh, worldview. I'm also a political refugee from the Soviet Union, so oh, the experience wow. of going from the Soviet Union to the United States is quite a different story, maybe a different podcast, <laughs> but has really defined some of my ideals and ideas. Uh, one of the greatest mentors that I've had, uh, her name is Harriet Bernstein, and she was my volunteer, the first volunteer, oh. first American that I've ever met. And uh, when I was 12 years old, and she's the one who, she's also the first person that I've ever met who volunteered. Soviet Union, in Soviet Union, we don't volunteer, okay? You, no, no such thing. So you were first generation? I'm first generation, How yes. old were you when you came? 12. Oh, wow. So okay. some of you might hear my accent. Yeah. Yes, uh-huh. uh, my joke is when I was angry at my parents, I called them capitalists. <laughs> <laughs> it's a true story. There is a the guy, a little bit of a tangent, Alex Mashinsky, in this space of crypto assets. Mm-hmm. But uh, his joke when he presents to people is that he was born into communism, grew up in socialism, and then he made his adult life in capitalism. Mm-hmm. So really, I mean... It is true. Yeah. It is true. <laughs> and um, I think that capitalism as we know it is transitioning. And I think that's your podcast is really on the cutting edge of that because capitalism is really built on the idea of uh, currency. The way currency works and the way we trade value has transformed dramatically in the last hundred years. Mm -hmm. And the systems that have been invented a hundred years ago to deal with it are no longer adequate. Mm -mm. And so we are in this, from the larger perspective, we're in this transition period where the current systems do not work. Mm-hmm. It's uh, incentives. So I think for me, what happened with Bitcoin is that it truly opened my eyes up to what incentives really drive people and drive behavior. Mm-hmm. And we're going to cover that too with you about behavior and changing lives in a little bit. But so back to Ari, you wanted to cover mentors and then... I mean, it opened us to uh, incentives, but it also opened, for me personally, to the idea of humanity. And I think we'll touch on that shortly in this uh, in this podcast, too, with Leo. 
humanity is a big uh, selling point. You know, when you look at a global ecosystem of people and you have over 4 billion people that are underbanked or unbanked and don't have access to the same sorts of opportunities, me, that I've been given through mentors, through sponsors, through education. Just the fact that I grew up in, you know, upstate New York, um, having access to a wonderful education system and having had really amazing teachers, piano lessons, violin lessons, gymnastics. Like I, I am the product of a getting the lottery ticket of being born in the United States, educated in the United States, and having met some amazing, amazing investors, sponsors, mentors, all the way through my journey. Um, but back to Leo, parents are a big part of your definition of mentorship. You were a immigrant um, at the age of 12, mm -hmm. escaping Russian Soviet, Soviet Union, yeah, Soviet Union, coming to the United wow. States. Yeah, my 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 kids think of me as this kind of weird dinosaur, because <laughs> like so Soviet Union is in the past, yeah, like yeah. far past, like Roman Empire. Yeah. yeah, Soviet Union. It's a country that uh, used to exist that doesn't exist. That doesn't in exist. Our modern yeah, times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People are like, but where are you really from? I'm like, <laughs> I'm from the Soviet Union. If yeah. United States fell apart, would you be from Washington country? Right. I right. don't think so. Oh. What year was that? Uh, 1989. 89. Yeah. Holy cow, the, man. The heat, oh, wow. Before, before the wall fell. Oh, oh. right, right, right. Yeah. Wait, so the <laughs> Soviet Union doesn't exist. It's not a country. <laughs> I'm sorry. I did not know that. I'm sure a lot of listeners don't realize that okay, I'm, right. I'm a product of okay. my... Okay. So you can never say anything to me about asking a dumb question on the podcast or in real life ever in our marriage. I, I you can never just tell said me that. The dumbest question ever. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. Um, <laughs> so. In in some ways, Soviet Union still exists in the mind of many many people, including oh. uh, the Russian president. Uh, yes, Mr. Putin. I mean, Mr. Putin is is very much into Soviet Union. <laughs> but so we're diverging. Questions. Let's let's yeah, keep on so track here. What is the difference between Soviet Union and Russia? Anyway, okay, that's a different podcast. <laughs> yeah. That's the next different podcast. podcast. <laughs> we'll do that. We'll do that later. Back to back to so, so then definitions of jail and prison. What does that mean? And we're talking about prison right now. So is there a difference at all? Yes. So for those listeners, uh, those of your listeners who have never been incarcerated or don't have anyone who they know who have been incarcerated, mm -hmm. um, the whole concept of incarceration is whatever you saw on uh, uh, real, you know, the TV or Shawshank Redemption. Or Orange is the New Black. Television and movies. Television yeah. movies. It's romanticized and also, it, it, you know, shifted in a way that becomes dramatic and whatnot. And that's what I meant But when I said that everything I thought I knew about prison uh, is actually wrong. And uh, they, these are places that are out of sight. And we just don't know where they are, even though they're in our community. You know, we have six just on I-5 corridor. What? We have six? Uh, yeah, we, we have 12, actually, but six of them are on the I-5 corridor between oh. uh, Vancouver and Bellingham. Wow. So uh, the program where I, the prison that where I run my first program is uh, called uh, Monroe Correctional Complex, and I'm specifically working in a unit called Twin Rivers Unit, mm. which is a special unit uh, where people who no longer want to be part of gangs and no, no longer w want to be part of old patterns, but need to be protected, mm -hmm. they get to go that to that place. So it's a very unique place in that there are a lot more, it's a good place to start this program in Washington because there's so many people there who are hungry to transform so, their lives. So, so really to quick, answer your question, yeah. 
Um, Difference between we have prison j- yeah, and Yeah, so we have jail. jails are usually a, a county, mm-hmm. and they're local. Before they step in front of a judge, right, when, when you get a bail. And oh. then uh, usually if you do serve any time in prison, it's under, in jail, it's under a year. Okay. So prisons are typically federal and state. And they're the ones where your sentences are longer, a year or longer, or all the way to life. Prisons are a much bigger deal than jail, then. They are a bigger deal, and they cost us a lot more, and they have a lot higher security. And there are different kinds of prisons, too. So there's level one, two, three, four, and five. Level one is the minimum security unit, Mm. uh, people on the way out, and it's more like a Boy Scout camp with a bunch of barbed wire Mm. and level five we don't have any level fives in washington state but i've been to several level fives in california so these are supermax prisons so these are the prisons where other prisons send the prisoners to that prison because they can't handle them and if my program the program that we are doing can work in supermax prisons and they do Mm. they can work in anywhere they can work in any prison all right so now let's uh take another step back Defy Ventures, why Mm -hmm. have you signed up to dedicate a significant portion of your life to Defy Ventures? Like, tell me that story and that picture. How do you how do you tell that story? I talk about it uh, going back to that first time that I went to the R.J. Donovan prison. And um, it was me and uh, close to 100 volunteers. And there were over 80 EITs, as we call them, entrepreneurs in training, students. It was unlike anything I've ever seen. Uh, It has energy uh, and engagement and freedom and collaboration. We actually start seeing each other as human beings. Things that don't really match for you and your listeners with prison. But it's because the people who have taken the course, they've literally transformed their life. They are rewriting their narrative. They have a business plan. They want to transform their life, and they're hungry. They want the mentors, and that's what the program teaches them. So when I came in as a volunteer, Mm -hmm. and I started to talk to people who have pasts very different than mine, and backgrounds very different than yours and mine, Mm -hmm. and uh, found themselves where they are, Mm -hmm. they they didn't make excuses for their crimes. Mm. Instead, they felt genuinely uh, remorseful. They, mm. so, they seem genuinely remorseful. And they, they are genuinely afraid of coming out. They don't know how it's going to be. They don't know how to, how to operate in this world anymore. Many of them spend over 40 years in prison. <gasps> uh, many of them spend over a decade in solitary confinement. <gasps> so you can actually imagine uh, the, the level of uh, handicap that those men, and I've been to the women's prison too, men and women have face. And in the face of those difficulties, to have passion, to have goals, to have uh, objectives, and to actually listen to people who are from outside, Mm -hmm. uh, giving them feedback that they very often never get, this is the first time, has been transformative. And finally, there is an exercise that we do in Defy, and I was part of it that day, called Step to the Line. And that is... uh, Simple exercise where the EITs line up on one side and mentors line up on the other. The person in charge asks questions, and if it's true, you step up to the line. If it's not, you step back. And masks that we all wear every day mm-hmm. start falling off. People start seeing each other for human beings that they are on both sides. You know, you think of people, upstanding citizens such as you and I, mm-hmm. who also have committed crimes. We all have committed crimes of some sort. If you've ever squatted, uh, at Wi-Fi squatting or dr- drove slightly inebriated 
or cross the street without without uh, without the sidewalk, you have all committed a crime. But the idea is we all committed something. And to see that people can forgive, mm. and we have the power of doing that too, transform me. And I said, I got to bring this to Washington State. Okay, so you brought it, and so, uh, long story short, I brought it to Washington State in uh, 2018, and we started our first cohort uh, in the Five Ventures Washington cohort in uh, uh, October of 2018. Mm-hmm. So uh, well, you're on your one year anniversary now. One year anniversary, and yeah, we've and then we've graduated our first class of 25 in tw- uh, in May of this year. Ten of those people who graduate, ten of our graduates be- are becoming peer facilitators for our next cohort that starts in November, and there will be over 60 people in that one. And five of those people who graduated are now outside, have been released, and they're defying the odds, they have jobs, and they are using what they've learned with Defy to literally transform their lives. So being the originator of Defy Ventures in Washington State, I mean, you're wearing a lot of hats. And so uh, do you have a staff? Uh, How are you operating? Like, where are you getting funding? I have a staff of three and uh, all three of us are partially paid uh, right now. It is definitely a passion for us, but we are getting paid. And we raise, right now, money that we raise come inclusively from our donors. Mm. We bring people to prison, and we share with them what we are doing, and then w- people donate. What's interesting is the recently, and this is just now starting, is the inmates themselves and their families are starting to donate. Wow. And mm. to them, $100 is not what $100 is to you or I. And yet they donate. Right. You know, and so it takes about $2,200 to, um, right now, with this scale that we are in, uh, to get a single individual from starting the program. And I can talk to you what it takes to actually get in because it's, uh, it's competitive <laughs> to actually graduating, which is a hell of a lot less than forty-five. $50,000 per year that you and I pay in taxes right, just to right. hold that person there. And then we have pretty good results uh, nationally that we can actually lean on mm-hmm. and prove to the state itself that not only should they tolerate us in their prison, but they should actually use our skills and potential in spreading us across every prison in Washington. So please, like, this is your time to... Uh, Shout out those accomplishments. What are they like? Like, what is this like? Well, I think one one thing you could do is just review the recidivism rate versus employment rate. And um, recidivism is one of those words when you first hear. Yeah, it's like, it what mean? the what is that? Right. Well, so explain. this is a rated G yeah, show. Yeah, perfect, yeah. But it's just simply the rate recidivism of return. To rate prison. of return. Yeah. So okay. rate rate of return to prison. And for us, the reason why state cares about the word like like recidivism is because for every person that comes back to prison, we have to pay for them right. again. Right. Um, and also it shows that whatever happened to them before didn't really work. If, yeah. if the thought that prison are actually rehabilitative or corrective in some, some way. I mean, this is like a really hard data point. And being that, you know, in the information services business, data is the most valuable commodity in the world. I mean, this is a really simple metric. Is like, well, this person did not go through the program, Defy Ventures, and their recidiv- recidivism rates are this. And then they do go through Defy Ventures, and your recidivism rate is crazy low. 
Like, what are those actual so numbers? The, I'll tell you what the numbers are, and then I will uh, dispel your myth. Um, okay. So the number is important, okay. uh, especially when it comes to how much money we pay. The recidivism rate nationally is close to 70%. It's uh, really high. Yeah, in five years, it kind of <gasps> creeps up to that. So, because we don't prepare people to leave. Exactly. Um, in Washington State, uh, the three-year recidivism rate is about thirty-four mm. percent, which uh, sounds lower than seventy. But if you had a product and thirty-four percent of it broke, you would not be in business very well, no. much, would you? No. Um, the other thing, though, is recidivism rate is a trailing uh, data point. So you don't what what it means is that it's like you don't know whether somebody succeeds or fails, but all you know is who comes back in. So it doesn't. It doesn't. There's no predictive value from oh, that. So it's it's a really saying. bad metric, actually. Okay. But more importantly, is the reality of recidivism rate is that what causes people to go back to prison? Okay. Uh, it could be as simple as being late for your appointment to <gasps> your correctional officer three times. Oh, I had heard. <laughs> I have heard of that injustice. Or yes, yes. or or you might you you know you, again the thing that you literally will get a pat on the uh, on the on the you know you you did an illegal turn uh-huh. and the cop stops you and says hold on give me your license and they check your background and they give it to you and say don't do that again and you say okay yeah or they give you a ticket that's not the case for somebody who who's ju- just came out of prison uh, or you cross the sta- uh, county line you're not allowed to cross this county line there's there is a huge uh, stigma and it's really really easy to come back so for those people who are not coming back it's not that they're reformed in any way it's that they are dead pan determined never to go back mm-hmm. and so they have to work three times harder than you and I mm-hmm. to stay out of prison mm-hmm. or to stay out of trouble and very often that doesn't even work because there's also racial inequality and everything else. So right. there are better metrics. You're absolutely right. Metrics are critical. And in this field, metrics are sorely lacking, truly lacking. It, it's, it's really abhorrent. But the, le- the metrics that do matter okay. and yeah. that we actually are using is... Your OKRs. Yeah, my OKRs, right? Yeah. Is number one is the uh, employment rate mm-hmm. a year out of prison. Employment one year out of uh, prison. Out of prison, right? Okay. And so, again, you need a big enough N, big enough number in order to make it statistically significant, which is another challenge of me- measuring a program like ours. A- a majority of it is in California, and many people have 10 more years to go. We're not mm-hmm. really a reentry program. We don't segregate just for people who are about to leave. This is oh, a really important oh. point because you think it makes sense, right? If people are about to leave, let's say half a year or a year before they're released, let's yeah. give them some education yeah. and let's send them out. It makes perfect sense, yes, right? Except absolutely. it doesn't. It makes Why? absolutely no Why? sense. You, you spend 10 years inside the prison, mm-hmm. inculturated into the old way of life. And then a year before you're about to leave, oh, they dump, you, dump a bunch of pamphlets on you and say, hey, this is what you're supposed to be doing. Oh. And you are petrified. You, have, you know no one. Every bridge that you've ever had in has been either burned or your loved ones have died while you're in prison, which is the number one thing that people hurt from, right? Not being to attend the funerals of their yeah. mothers and Closure. fathers. Yeah. And then they, they left. And when they leave, they actually leave with what's called LFOs, legal financial obligations. So prison ain't free. Oh, man. Oh, no. A typical, <laughs> typical <laughs> five-year stint in prison uh, can result to somewhere between five dollars and $25,000 in debt to the state, <gasps> to the state. And so they but owe taxpayers? it back again? 
But taxpayers pay us a lot of money per person. Just for housing. House. Just for housing, my dear. Just for housing. Just yeah. For so, but but look, there there is a value for that. There is restitution to your vo- to your victims, mm-hmm. and then there is fees for court fees, and then there is the parking ticket that you forgot you didn't pay before you got incarcerated, and now it's eight hundred dollars. Oh, no. So there are a lot of things, but that's not what this is about. This okay. is not about the difficulties because okay. if any of you who have overcome difficulties in your life, uh, I know I have, you know that it's not about focusing on what's not working. It's okay. focusing on hope and finding the right people to help you through. Okay. It's about, again, mentorship. It's not about the what and how, as I, call, as I tell people. It's about the why and the who. What's your purpose mm-hmm. and who do you know? Okay. And that's what we teach in, in my program, which is very different from what is taught in any other program that I know of, on the inside or outside, that what you do is you build your group of influence. And again, it's a nice idea, but where do you get uh, CEOs and uh, business leaders and politicians who would ever come to prison right. for eight hours? Eight hours. It, yeah, that's where... You're going to be there for eight hours. Okay. Eight hours for an event. Like, who would ever do that? Right. Well, Defy has brought over 5,200 people through prison already in the last seven years. And I'm in my program alone, we brought over 120. Wow. And these are people who are changed now because they become mentors to people who they would never otherwise even consider as employees or entrepreneurs. Mm. And for those of your listeners who know, like, Dave Skiller Brett... Right, that's a yeah. that's a yeah, bit, yeah, right. Yeah. So uh, Dave was a, a entrepreneur inside the prison, mm-hmm. and his brother helped him out, and he brought this bread into being. In my class of twenty five, I had three Daves, three ideas that Dave worthy, and then everybody else. There are people there who would be the best employee. Mm-hmm. In fact, three of them got the job already. They're still in prison. The mentors who have seen them say, "I want them when they get out." Oh wow! That's the power of mentorship. Did you call out the employment rate? Uh, yes. So the employment rate for us is 86% as opposed to 15. Wow. And again, even those data points, if those of you on, on the podcast are data point people, they're <laughs> like, well, isn't that selective criteria? And the answer is yes. So the idea is in order to get into my program, it's totally yeah. voluntary. Mm-hmm. People come in and uh, they listen to our spiel about what it's about, and then they have to fill out over a 40-page application. 40 pages, <laughs> and they do. And they do. And some of them need to put, when we talk about their criminal history and they need to list everything they've done, yeah. some of them put in extra sheets because their criminal history is long. <laughs> um, but we don't segregate on the basis of what kind of crime people did okay. or the length, how long they have left, okay. uh, except that they have to have long enough to complete our program. Okay. So they need to have at least eight months, right. nine months uh, to, their, to their sentence. Uh, it's, by the way, the only time where I've ever heard an inmate say, I wish I could stay longer. <laughs> <laughs> so once you get through that, there, then there, we review the applications and we compare them and we talk to the administration about their abilities and their status. Uh, are they already doing good work? Are they ready to transform? And then we use, now that we have graduates, we, we will extensively be using uh, recommendations from the former grads. Oh. And so it brings in a very select group of people mm-hmm. who genuinely are committed to transforming their lives and the lives of others. Mm-hmm. The secret sauce of our program is that we find the top 10%, we train the top 10%, and those top 10% will change the world. 
That is how we do it. What does that mean? The top 10% will change the world. They will become the leaders. They will become the employees, those golden employees. They will become those entrepreneurs. They will become those uh, change agents. And they will come back to prison and they will help those... They, they will help the, the, the other So 90%. that's the virtuous cycle. So that's, yeah. you know, the 10% who go through the program while in prison come out. And mm-hmm. then once they're kind of back uh, acclimated back into, quote unquote, a normal, you know, life, mm-hmm. then they would actually come back as, as a mentor mentors. to that's, that's Defy. Part of, that's part yeah. of it. And we've seen that already. But even we before changing, uh, I was at Cal- in California in yeah. Avenal Prison last year. What I do for fun is I, I travel around and I go to different prisons. Oh, my. <laughs> Uh, yes. Um, so I went to this prison, and um, it's a level three or a level four. So it's a max wow. maximum, and it was a graduation as well. And one of the the warden, the mm-hmm. assistant warden, uh, spoke and said how proud he was of the fifty or so people who were graduating. And then I pulled him aside and I said, "Well, why do you like this program?" Yeah. He said, "Look, man, this is the second year this program has been on this yard. This yard has nine hundred people. Mm-hmm. I don't know what these fifty do here every day." But our rate of any kind of violent offenses has just dropped in the whole yard. So I don't know what they're doing, but I want them to keep doing it because it's making my life and my job a hell of a lot easier. And you're like, why would having 50 people in in the class, how would that affect the yard? Yeah, and the way it works is because the people in the program are are people who have influence. And they say, you're not going to do this dumb th- stuff that you're planning to do because that's going to interrupt my programming. <laughs> you know, you're not, you're not crossing me, bro. This is my program. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, you know, I'm not going to invite you the next time around this program comes around, right? Because every one of those people are either a son or a brother or a sister father. or a father. And they are absolutely determined to not have their kids do the same thing that they yeah. do. And that is actually what happens. This is a negative feedback loop of prison upon prison upon prison. Yeah. We're changing that simply by creating a safe environment where we teach really positive and constructive skills by inviting really visionary and powerful people, which you might not think listening to this podcast, I'm not powerful. Uh, if you have freedom, you're powerful. If you have right. an education, you are powerful. If you have a LinkedIn profile with more than two people in it, you are powerful. And so my really, one of the big things that I've learned in doing prison work and what people who come with me to prison learn is that the prison is really not inside the cement walls. The prison is in our mind that each of us on some level is incarcerated. Right by our own belief system, by our own negative self-image, by things that other people have told us to do or told us that we can't do. And it's really interesting. When people come to prison with me, Mm -hmm. those beliefs come into really stark contrast with reality. And when that happens, freedom happens. What I do for a living is I help people find freedom from the prison of their minds by either helping them while they're incarcerated or bringing them to prison in order to get free. <laughs> just so, uh, just to bring a lighter note, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Ari. I was just going to say you, you, you're continuing to unleash people's potential in this work, focusing on prisoners inside prison, just as you helped me unleash my story. Yeah, um, the, the, and the, stories are creating that new... Um, perspective or what is it 
new reality. Your new reality, yeah. And it's true. In fact, I've I've reflected on that several times. Is that uh, I teach my students and I teach the I encourage people who come to prison with me to really consider that there is purpose in our life. And if we don't come up with that purpose, then it will be thrust upon us. But there will be purpose. Mm-hmm. And choosing one's purpose uh, then applies to the rest of my life. Like working with you was still on purpose. And working with the guys on the inside is still on purpose. Trying to understand how to manage my autistic kid is also on purpose. We have, each of us have a job to do or many jobs to do. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I myself, am guilty of uh, uh, isolating and siloing it. You know, like this way and this, you know, I, ha- I have this and this. But it's truly, it's, it's, all, it's all one. Mm-hmm. So trying to balance this is, of course, tough. But what I really encourage people to do and what I am able to do while taking people to prison is to put a really stark contrast to what we stories we tell ourselves about ourselves mm-hmm. and others mm-hmm. and the reality. And the stories then get changed. Just to kind of go back to the basics a little bit about the program, Mm -hmm. um, on the outside here, I hear a lot of stories about distinguishing between um, violent versus nonviolent crimes and how to treat differently the two classes of criminals, convicted criminals. So then it sounds like you guys do not parse out between violent and nonviolent convictions of these prisoners. Isn't one worse than the other? I don't understand. No, but that, that's, that's a very common idea. Well, first of all, because I am working in prisons, mm-hmm. I'm working with people who've been convicted of a violent crime. People who don't have a non... They might have also been convicted of nonviolent crime. But if you get a sentence of more than a year, you are committed, you're convicted of a serious crime. And I will pose to you, it's a common idea, right? Well, these are the people who don't deserve more education, more things, right? I mean, what's the ultimate violent crime sentence murder maybe life sentence oh life sentence okay yeah right so life sentence is the ultimate sentence right you can't do or multiple life sentences or multiple life sentences i have uh, two of my graduates from my 25 person class are lifers and so you would think why and those people even if there is programming in prison they often can't get it because again why should i spend valuable money and time on you you're never getting out Mm. except because you're never getting out, you get to touch hundreds, if not thousands, of other inmates. Oh. And if I convert you, I convert thousands of people. And you have purpose in life. All of us, exactly. All of a sudden, the very thing that you think is your liability oh, wow. becomes a great, oh, great benefit. And so one of the secrets that is, is it's not a secret, but the, what wardens know this, that if they want to stop violence inside their prisons, yards, they work with lifers. But if you actually actually empower lifers to become agents of change, oh, wow. they, they change everything because it is their life. They're not looking out there. Mm-hmm. They're not going to see out there. And some of them are incredible change agents. They've started organizations, like one of them started an organization, Crocheting Group. Mm-hmm. We have a crocheting group in the prison that crochet incredible cute animals for kids of domestic violence. Oh. Like hundreds of them a year, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. And this is the guy who used to be head of the Aryan Nation for all of Washington. Whoa. So if that man can change his life, then what about you? What excuse do you and I have not to change our life for the better? If a person like that can change it, 
There is no such thing as good and bad person. They're just people who make good and bad decisions and surrounded by people who encourage good and bad actions. But the truth is that when we surround people with positive role models, it is almost a foregone conclusion that those people will be better off. And if that is the truth, if you, those of you who are listening, if you say nodding in your car or whatever, saying, yeah, that makes sense, that works in my life, stop and think about what we're doing inside prisons, how ridiculous it is. Because we, we're taking people who've made bad decisions and we're throwing them with other people who made bad decisions mm-hmm. and we're forgetting them mm-hmm. and throwing away the key and then expecting something when they come out that they will be somehow right. good. And 95% of them will come out and they will live in your neighborhood right. and, they will do, and they will be there in your neighborhood either as an asset or as a detriment. Because the dark side of recidivism is that People commit crimes and then they get back to prison. Mm -hmm. And often it's crimes of desperation because they can't find a job. Because they have no place to live. It's the, that goes back to the idea of uh, you know the prison, the the physical walls of the prison, you know that you can see and feel and touch, versus the psychological prison that you're trapped in when you're theoretically free, but then you have to get a job, you have to make money, you have yeah, to pay the bills. Yeah, it's yeah, overwhelming, exactly. even which for which one is all actually worse? You know, if you get philosophical about it. It, you know? it, 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 you know, sometimes when I go to prison and I come out of it, I, I'm always, I'm always grateful that I'm free. But sometimes I really wish I had like a weekend with no cell phone <laughs> and just like give me a bunk, just tell me where to go and what to do, just for a weekend. I'll, it'll be good. I think it's called a retreat. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, the idea here is that it is transformative to a core. And the reason is because not just people who are incarcerated, but each one of us are trapped in our own little world that we call reality. And it's very persistent, reality, you know, it's very persistent. And it is only through extending oneself outside of one's own little bubble, reaching out, finding mentors, or actually mentoring others. Mm-hmm. Aaron and I, we talked uh, before the podcast about that, you know, in the relationship between a mentee and a mentor, the mentor actually gets more value out of it than the mentee. Yeah, and it just, it's, it's, it's true. Yeah. And so I have some incredible offers to give to people who are listening because I get to invite you, if you're interested, to come to prison with me. Ooh, and to experience it for yourself. So segue, we yeah. have several events, and one of them, uh, our next event is happening on December 5th. So is this like eight hours? What does this mean? It is seven, and it's, uh, well, it's eight in the morning until 2.30 in the afternoon, and lucky for all of us here, our, the prison that I'm working uh, at is only 23 miles away, north of Seattle, so it's in uh, Monroe, Washington. Road trip. Road trip, yeah. <laughs> we'll get a bus if we get enough people. And we're going to be actually working on a new curriculum that we've developed recently with the Five Ventures Washington called the Master Plan. The Master Plan. Yeah. So uh, for those of you guys who are listening to books uh, in the car, uh, there's an amazing book called The Master Plan by Chris Wilson. He spent 16 years in prison for murder. It's more of a master list than a master plan, mm-hmm. but he has overcome the most horrendous difficulties to become an incredible light in the community. And it's through by creating a plan for himself. Mm-hmm. And so we took this concept and we're actually applying it to creating a five-year plan. Five-year plan, five-year plan that includes all of the elements that the Five Ventures curriculum teaches, including personal development and education, uh, employment, uh, your startup ideas, 
and how do you give back to others and your family and friends? So how do you actually build a life for yourself that you want? Mm -hmm. And then we help our uh, students, which who we call EITs, short for Entrepreneurs in Training, to really define their mission, vision, objectives, and then build it out powerfully. That's If you come with me on December 5th, the purpose will be to listen to those plans and to uh, critique them, to give them feedback, and ultimately to find your own humanity while you're doing it. So, uh, And then we have three other events coming out uh, in 2020, just for this class alone, in March and in uh, June and in uh, September. So we're going to be graduating our next class September 10th. Uh, of 2020. So, I mean, we got, you know, a little less than two months. Aaron and I can, yeah. you know, basically plug the December 5th, 2019 event here, you know, and to uh, actually you have less. Interest. We have about two weeks, actually, because we need the, the time. Portland we need the time to get it cleared oh, with, the, with, the, with the state. But there are other ways that, so that's one way to help. Um, okay. Another way to help and become aware, one is just go educate yourself. Uh, defywa.org is our website, D-E-F-Y-W-A.org. Okay. Um, you can go to our parent website, uh, defyventures.org, and uh, look at videos and ideas. You can reach out to me, uh, Leo Novsky. It's lnovsky at defyventures.org, and I'd be more than happy to share with you. You can connect with Ari, and she will forge your in interest to us. The way you can help us without going to prison, because you're like, yeah, that's a little far-fetched for me. This is a good idea, but I want to help, but I don't want to be going in, or uh, you may not have a chance to uh, the schedule and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, the best way to help us, actually, is to bring us to speak to you. Oh, so yeah. you can actually bring us to your place of work, uh, we not only am I available to come and speak about how to step up to the line and how to transform one's life, and you don't even need to be incarcerated, <laughs> um, but also we we are developing the Five Ventures Washington is developing our own uh, diversity and inclusion training course, a seven hour long course okay. where we uh, bring in formerly incarcerated individuals as our uh, facilitators, Ooh. and we actually help people get out of the prison of their minds. Ooh and start facing some of their conscious and unconscious biases that are focused not just on those incarcerated, but on any other bias, and then to discover how that in, incarcerates them. It's called Unshackled. Oh. And right now we're working with Microsoft, several Microsoft teams. We're discussing bringing that into the Microsoft ecosystem, mm -hmm. which is very focused now on diversity. Uh, so well, I was just going to say. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have to introduce you to a woman at Starbucks. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then maybe of you, if you, those of you listening, all of a sudden saying, wait, I know someone. Yeah. Or I, I have gone through a diversity and inclusion training and it was so boring. <laughs> it was so bad. Yeah. Uh, this would be so much better. You will get extra brownie points. Uh, with, so I was going to say, us. I mean, yeah. you know, if uh, people who are listening are working for a company with the resources, with mm -hmm. the money, and you already mentioned one like Microsoft, uh, to put into development of their of their workers, then it sounds like that would be a fantastic way to not only give back to the system because you're providing, um, you know, work, for someone, but then also, again, kind of the virtuous cycle theme here is that you're going to give a perspective to your employees in your workplace that you would, you would maybe never have a chance to no, do, and, and it's going to be so impactful. Because the the opposite will be you going to prison, coming back out, and saying, "Boy, I learned oh, stuff." Right. So we can give you a really interesting insight. We also 
uh, our graduates who are coming out, yeah. we already have five of our 25 uh, grads been released. They become really good employees. Uh, so we have two of them already been hired by uh, Mod Pizza. Love and pizza. shout out for Mod yeah. Pizza, the Mod best pizza. cauliflower crust pizza. God <laughs> help me, the most delicious <laughs> thing ever. I heard that ninety percent of Mod Pizza's employees, especially in Washington State, are ex prisoners. Formerly people? incarcerated, yes. And for those of you, it's formerly incarcerated Frontline. or returning citizens. Those are the best way to returning describe people citizens. versus ex cons or felons or. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, our district actually, the district. I'm not sure what the district is at Mod. But the district is incredibly committed and it started with one person. They gave a chance to one individual. Mm -hmm. Now it runs half of the operations of MOD. Wow. And 90% of their employees in this district in Seattle area are formerly incarcerated individuals. So don't, but don't go up there and say, hey, what, was your, what were you in oh for? God. <laughs> you, you'd be surprised. But it's over 30% in the whole co uh, company. And now it has become one of their missions. So some of so I say to those of you who are listening who are employers or who have who are hiring managers that Defy and Defy Ventures have some of the best employees you would never otherwise consider. Why? Because of their prim, uh, past criminal history. You want to look not just at people who are coming out of prison, but people. What did they do while in prison? So, ah. for those of you who are going to have an interview with somebody who's formerly incarcerated, first they should fess up and tell about that. And number two is ask them, what did they do while in prison? What did they learn? Because very often, not, it's not just a question. It, it could be invaluable to your business. They would, they're often some of the best hustlers, some of the best salespeople, and some of the most loyal employees you will ever, ever have. And if you do that, you will give your business an unfair advantage, which is what capitalism is all about. So well, I mean, as soon as uh, you mentioned I, about you know them hustling, it's like your T-shirt today yeah. is awesome because it says yeah. hustle, hustle harder. harder. That's yeah, right. Yeah. What I'm really curious about, where I really want to turn the table, sort of on you guys, is <laughs> I know very little about Bitcoin, about cryptocurrency, or about how that. I know all about it because I am part of the Coretsu Forum and investment, and it's basically it's the thing that people say. Yeah. And I've heard many explanations of what it is. Don't don't. I still don't <laughs> know it, but I, I've heard it many times. I want to know what, how I'm really entranced at how do we use this new way of currency? And in your case, you said a magic word. You said incentivize. Mm -hmm. How do we use uh, cryptocurrency to incentivize this transformation, both inside and outside prison? Because if you and I can figure that out, I got 1.2 million people as an untapped potential for yeah, us to, yeah. to trigger. Oh, wow. Holy cow. This is a big topic to unpack. But I mean, for me, I think the one, one kind of way to you know, approach this would be as simple as education because, you know, earlier we were going through some pretty heavy topics and I was going to make, you know, a little bit of light uh, of it and say that it's kind of like the Matrix. You know, you don't know you're in the Matrix but then you're in the matrix and then you take the rat magic red pill and you go down the rabbit hole. And that joke and that that joke is like ever present in the Bitcoin space, the crypto space. But we're all in the uh, the matrix, right? Inside well, the prison or outside the right, prison. But he Bitcoin is talking about Bitcoin. the matrix of the Bitcoin and yeah. cryptocurrency that people don't understand. Well, people don't understand money. So that is the primary big problem that we have in this world. Just and anybody think, and, and everybody. If you, think, if you think that people don't understand money, imagine how little 
people in prison understand money. Right, exactly. Right? exactly. Uh, the rate of uh, banking okay. post-incarceration is around 10 to 12%. What? what does that mean? What? what? They hide it in the... What it means is they hide their money in the mattress. So they're unbanked. They are unbanked. Yeah. They don't know how to use banks. Yeah. They don't know how to use banks. And very often banks won't even give them, you know, oh. won't give them loans. But the idea is that in my mind, when I think about cryptocurrency, yeah. and I want to discover this more, so you guys are lighting up fire in me as if I needed more fire. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the idea, I, I think of an analogy of landlines versus mobile. Right? If you looked at a country such as India, and you looked at the power of, you know, what would it cost to put phones in every home in, in India in 1980s? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it would be impossible. It is a completely You can't ridiculous do that now. Yeah, it's impossible. Well, it would yeah, be, it would be completely cost. impossible yeah. because of the infrastructure. Yeah. But then you, mobile comes in yeah. and every Indian, all yeah. of the billion people have a mobile phone or two, Yeah. right? And it changes profoundly every single thing, right? Yes. So in that way, I believe, and many people believe, and I believe even though I don't know cryptocurrency, that it is that level of transformation, that we are about to shift gears. And I, for one, want to make sure that my organization is on the cutting edge of that because, you know, you need a bunch of hustlers to push this forward. And I know some hustlers. We would love the opportunity to come and teach, you know, cryptocurrencies, money, Bitcoin, one on one. Sure, would love to be. We'll, able to we'll do get that. you. So one of the one of the other value propositions here is that people can come to some of our events mm-hmm. as mentors, but we are also going to select a few people to be our uh, volunteer faculty, and uh, in order to teach uh, elements of our curriculum. Would love. And to. it would be yeah, it would be fantastic to 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 see to get. Good luck, though. It will be a pretty interesting experience to create, uh, to teach cryptocurrency to people who very often don't know how to how computers work. I mean, the, the awakening that I like to think that, that I've had in oh, the yeah. last few years because I've learned all about, even more in depth about, uh, you know, economics, um, sociology, the way people interact, incentives, uh, the the theft of um, the value of a, the dollar done by institutions onto people and when they have no choice Politics about that. Um, I mean, that, that would speak directly to a person coming out of prison and being able to hold, you know, the value of, you know, a dollar in yeah. their, you know, in their bank account if they can't even get, can't even get a bank account. But like the, the kind of erosion of that value and that buying power um, that they're a victim to, again, again, just kind of like this whole analogy of the matrix and being caught, you know, inside of a system, you don't know you're caught inside of a system, but then now I feel like I've been awakened to all of this that's happened and it it makes you, it makes you thirst for more knowledge and more of what you can do as an individual to get out of that, you know, that prison, uh, whether it's walls or whether it's psychological, you know, all that. So, so that would be one thing, but I would, I would actually take it back a step because it's an empowering thing to actually get into cryptocurrency. Even me, with my power, I don't even know where to start. People who are coming out it's and they need topic. to get their yeah. driver license and they need to, they may not get there. Mm-hmm. Where I think cryptocurrency has the first place mm-hmm. is how do we use this system mm-hmm. to empower DeFi Ventures mm-hmm. to work, mm-hmm. to incentivize others, mm-hmm. to bring in people 
So we can the people that we can edu- educate about cryptocurrency are not the people who are not EITs. Mm-hmm. It's the mentors that we bring in. Because if they mm. want to donate oh, in a right. certain way, right. if they want to promote us a certain way, or when they get out, when we have our graduates come out, how do we incentivize it? How do we know, uh, going back to metrics, right? If you can track the path of a cryptocurrency, which is how I understand it, then you can actually modify behavior mm-hmm. using using it maybe not as a currency, maybe as a, as a loyalty point or whatever. Yeah. But at this point, DeFi Ventures is still in dark ages. Uh, perpetuated by the fact that we can't use computers on the inside. But maybe there is a way that we can actually get people engaged and get cryptocurrency as part of the way to both fundraise Mm -hmm. for the programs like DeFi or even to actually use it as a vehicle uh, in the most unorthodox place to actually change the system. Because remember, right now in prisons, everything is run on black market, right? Mm-hmm. There is an eco- there's a thriving economy inside every prison. The currency is cigarettes, soups, like right. tunas, c- cigarette, macro. you know. Charlie Shum talks about macro. Macro, yeah. Really? So so the idea is that you want to find a way that we can actually help people earn money, yeah. earn earn freedom and uh, for the prisons to actually monet- monitor and monetize on good behavior rather than bad. Right. And if there is a crazy way to use cryptocurrency to do that, wow. Mm-hmm. Right? So there's there's a lot of opportunities, business opportunities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's one thing I wanted to finish up with as far as what I wanted to share. And that is, in addition to giving people jobs, uh, our curriculum is called CEO of Your New Life. And one of the things that we have done is over 140 businesses were started. Some of them multi-million dollar businesses. Con Body being one of them. Uh, there's a hard time candy bar by a former NBA player as well. And but most of them are small mom and pop stores, which is what we encourage um, in our business plan competition. We have some of really amazing entrepreneurs that nobody would ever invest in either. And there's a great value proposition for those who are angel investors, for those who are venture capitalists, and both type of people have been through our program already, to donate to it and to invest in some of our graduates because they will get people from, you know, from ground up. There is a uh, very well-known, popular executive founder in this space, uh, Mike Novogratz. Have you heard of him before? So he's ex-Goldman Sachs. Mm-hmm. Maybe you've heard of Goldman Sachs. Of course. Yeah. And so his, uh, his spare time and passion is all about prison reform in the United States. Yeah. Target. Yeah, exactly. Fantastic. Yeah. What's his name? Mike Novogratz. So we'll definitely... Mike, if you're hearing this, uh, we need <laughs> to talk. anybody who knows him, yeah. Oh, yeah. If anyone who knows him, it's all about who you know. So if anyone knows him or his secretary, <laughs> whoever I'm, is a significant other... I got to think that Catherine Hoke is... Because if she was out of the New York area and he's also ex-Goldman, I mean, yeah. I, w- I would think that she has heard of him. She's heard... And, and yeah, so Defy... Uh, uh, Catherine ha- Kat moved on and started another organization called Hustle 2.0, but we're basically doing the same things. Where I I am very excited about, I would love to meet some of these people because I'm also looking to build my board. I am actually more interested in your listeners. I'm interested in people who are young professionals with kids and life and whatnot. Well, um, because we were talking about this earlier during lunch, as common as it is to, you know, as for a nonprofit to ask for money for support, you're saying it's probably more valuable if the people out there go to their employer and say, hey, 
you know, can we do something as a company to work with Defy Ventures to support their program? That's actually maybe more valuable at this point. It is. It is. Uh, taking people to prison is a limited resource. Yeah. Uh, the bottleneck is the prison itself. Um, but bringing us to your place of business and helping us help your organization kind of unshackle itself from its own biases and have an honest conversation in the way that we are having right here and kind of dispelling some of the biases and some of the misconceptions. When we were talking during lunch, uh, I was talking to Ari and I was saying some of those myths, uh, you know, her eyes got bigger and bigger and bigger. It was mm-hmm. really quite, uh, quite funny. It, it is truly amazing to know what we're up against mm-hmm. and at the same time, what incredible opportunities in front of us. So what we can do, what you can do as listeners is absolutely uh, reach out to us, find someone in your organization who might be interested in creating DNI training or just having us come and speak. You know, if you're in Eastern Washington or if you are in a different state, Defy is in, right now is active in California, in Colorado, in New York, in Connecticut, in Illinois, we're going to be going into Wisconsin. There are great opportunities, and if it's not those states, that's not where you're listening from, well, there are some organizations out there that in your prison system that is definitely need your time. And it doesn't have to take a lot. I do have to say that my kids, funny story, my, my, a few years ago, my son was in uh, kindergarten. They asked him, like, so what does your dad do? And he said, well, my dad is in prison. Because <laughs> I was at that day, I was I was I was volunteering there, and when they got that look, and he he got all proud, according to the teacher, and he said, "Well, when I grow up, I want to go to prison too, um, in order to help others, to help people, uh, to help people." Uh, and uh, you know, I got a call after that. That was that was quite quite interesting, but it really goes back to this idea that many people who are incarcerated are incarcerated there because their father, mother, sister, brother have been incarcerated also. Just like many of the people who are listening to your podcast have been college graduates because someone in your family have been a college graduate. One of the things that I found having kids is that watching their cartoons is that basically all the cartoons have this thing where you have good people and bad people Mm -hmm. and the good people go after the bad people and they catch them and they throw them into prison. Yeah. And then we don't hear about it at all unless they break out of prison and then the good person has to go and put them back in. Yeah, yeah. And I never thought about it. I never gave it a second thought. Yeah. But I, my kids now know there's no such thing as a good person or a bad person. There's no such thing as a good person. There's or no a bad such thing person. as a good person or a bad person. They're just people who do good things or bad things. And or you good can decisions change. Good or decisions, bad decisions. Bad decisions. Yeah, yeah. They're not even yeah. good or bad per se, but it's definitely not workable. They don't create freedom. They don't create value. It's a different lesson that that I am teaching my kids. And it is really powerful. If there is one thing that I am grateful for in this work, which is not easy, is that my kids are growing up knowing there's no such thing. They're not a good person or a bad person. And that's something that Aaron and I have also um, tried to implement with raising our, uh, you know, first boy who can talk now, but, you know, trying to not to say you're good, you're bad, you're smart, you know, not put those subjective values onto the person. It's like, well, that wasn't a great decision. That was probably an, a better a decision, idea. you know, like putting the decision outside of the human body. And you can talk about that third-party decision versus, Im, you know, embody, forcing it in their bodies, which yes, doesn't feel exactly good. Like you're bad versus yeah. you did 
And that it's was a bad and, thing and it to is do. really powerful to actually watch it in action in prison. One of the things that we do is an exercise on forgiveness. Even those who have done it many times inside the prison, there is a part where they have to say, I forgive myself. And many of them can't. Mm. can't. They still mm. can't say it. They still can't forgive themselves. Mm. And also, can you forget other, forgive others? Those who have done unto you, they hurt you. So many people, th- so many of those violent offenders are actually victims of violence. How do we let go of all the gripes? How can, what would happen to your life those of you who are listening, what would happen to your life if you would have would let go of the resentment? Because you are the one holding it. No one else is holding that. Whatever happened, happened, but you are the one who holding on the resentment. I, I love that because the person who did the bad thing onto you, and it's as simple as someone who uh, forgot to signal making a turn or something like that, and you just get so angry and inflamed and road rage and everything like that. They don't even know that they forgot the turn signal. They just moved on with their lives. They're all the way down the or freeway even, now. Or you even know? if they did. And even if they did. I have people who've been sexually molested by their, uh, by their parents mm. or who've been, whose parents have been uh, drug addicts and they basically had to... Uh, they got arrested when they, one of the guys got arrested when he was eight years old because he was hungry. So, right? Can you imagine an eight-year-old in the handcuffs? The consensus from the... Men who have done this is they never fit. <laughs> but but the, the idea is that whatever happens, we have the power to let go and to forgive. We don't need to forget. But we can forgive ourselves and others and move on and create a new story yeah. where we are not victimized by our own past. Yeah, the resentment just eats away at yourself. It is, it yeah. is, it it is a, self, it's a self-inflicted yeah. wound. And even if it could hurt the other person, as many people do, right? There are people in prison who walk around knowing that they have terribly hurt others. And those people are suffering. They're, mm-hmm. that, that blame, but, but they can let it go and then move forward and transform. And if we could change the system so that that's what we try to teach, not just in prisons, how about high schools? Right, right. How about homes? If we could actually be able to teach that freedom, imagine the opportunities, the possibilities that would become available to us. Isn't that one of the four horsemen area, resentment? It's uh, stonewalling, resentment, criticism, and... Uh, okay, It's that's a not different one of kind of... It's, it's a new age. It's a, it's okay. a new age four oh. horsemen. It's more of a four c- car racers or something. I, 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 I think, I, yeah, but, uh, but one of them is, uh, you know, gluttony, uh, anger, gluttony. Well, that's, well, that's uh, uh, the seven deadly sins. No, no, <laughs> they're f- four horsemen of apocalypse, whatever they are. Uh, famine, yeah. uh, famine and death. Um, but war, that's right. War is one of them. But yes, we, we wage war on ourselves continuously. Yeah. Yeah. and on others. So what I really invite your audience to think about as we conclude this is that all of us in one time or another, in one way or another, have been incarcerated by our own fears, insecurities, our blame, past. shame, past. In a way, the difference between us here and the men on the and women on the inside is that we have a lot of more opportunities to transform our lives. But at the end of the day, it's the same. All of us have to make a choice, conscious choice, to continuously, it's not a one-time choice, mm-hmm. to let go of resentment and to change our story. Just like you changed your story all this time ago about why you're doing your business. Right. In the same way, and that changed the way you think about your business. Right. 
in the same way that we, each one of us can change our life by shifting the story about our life. And I see it in the men and women that I work with, and I see it in my own life. Um, yeah. I, uh, I'm, I'm just like you. I feel I have my up days and down days, um, but I am on purpose. And I encourage people to find their purpose. And if it involves working with Defy, then contact us at defywa.org or connect with us on social media. Just search for Defy Ventures Washington. I would love to have your insight, your input, your suggestions, and ultimately for you to become the mentor for someone who may not ever have a mentor just like you otherwise. So, so we had a previous guest on who already knew about Defy Ventures, Anthony mm-hmm. Entman. He's the CEO, uh, Anthony Entman. He's out of California, mm-hmm. Southern California, actually. And, and so he already knew about Defy Ventures and has an interest in getting involved. Great. And connect. So, yeah, we'll yeah. definitely have to please, connect you guys somehow. Please or another. do. And yeah, if you guys have uh, uh, other people, again, it's all about the who. Yeah. It's not about the what. It's not about the how. You know, that start with why, uh, Simon Sinek book. It's mm-hmm. good. I want to write a sequel to that called It's All About the Who. Start with who? No, yeah. start with why, but it's all about the who. <laughs> you can start with why. Start why with is why important. It's all about the who. But it's all about the who. And then if you can actually have strong enough why, you will find the who. Mm-hmm. And if you find the who, then the who will help you with the how, what, where, and when. Yeah, that's true. That's and answer true. every question. There's another guy uh, in the cryptocurrency space, Ross Ulbrich. Have you heard of him? He ran an operation called Silk Road. I it know was, about uh, Silk Road. It, it was the the illegal thing. Yeah, anything Online you want. Marketplace for basically drugs and anything. Right. So I've uh, heard. I've heard of that. Yes. Yeah. So Ross Ulbrich. Um, there's strong opinion that basically he was railroaded into a conviction, and life so sentence. he's in his twenties or so. But basically, he's got multiple life sentences, I believe. Nonviolent crime. Basically, he ran a website that connected buyers and sellers of illicit products, and they used Bitcoin to settle the transactions. He's in prison now for life. Uh, The only way that he can get out is through a pardon, pardon. a presidential pardon. And so he's um, in federal prison, I'm assuming, because it's a federal crime. yeah, Yeah, yeah. It's so funny that there's, you know, nicely overlapping aspects of, you know, our world of Bitcoin blockchains and crypto assets and, you know, this, this world, other world that, you know, we don't know about, which is prisons and jails and, you know, well, all that kind in of stuff. Many, in many people's eyes, they are connected, right? The cryptocurrency then connected with Silk Road, yes. connected with criminal activity. Unfortunately, yeah. But like anything else, criminals are nothing if not early adopters. so you know i i I want to remind people that pretty much every currency every machination has first been adopted uh by uh, by an illicit illicit way because they're willing to willing to do something that other people they're they're basically not as risk averse (laughs) as wall street well even now The the most widely used form of currency for a crime in the world is the U.S. dollar. There is no argument by anyone who has any knowledge of it. It is the most widely used currency for crime in the world. If you carry cash in your wallet, 99% chance that it's covered in cocaine. <laughs> it's true. That too. I'm not I'll sure definitely... about that, but I will I will take that under consideration. <laughs> I'll definitely have to share with you. Otherwise, I would have a really hard time every time I go to the airport and I have those <laughs> sniffer dogs and I have a couple of bucks in my pocket. 
speckles of it. Speckles well, of it. I think okay, it's supposed good. to be actually hundred dollar bills, but anyway. Maybe, yeah, like exactly. So, bills. see, that's yeah. probably why I never have it because I don't yeah. really have hundred dollar bills. But now that you mention it, okay. Um, so I'll definitely have to share with you the story of Ross Ulbrich. Um, but you know, we really only learned more about his plight the other side of the story. Uh, in the last three months since we've been doing the podcast. But yeah. there's definitely where is he? Do you know where he's stories. at? I don't. We can I don't. look it up. Yeah, we can look, look it up, and then may I suggest that yeah. you go above and beyond and actually go and see Visit. if you can actually have a, a podcast with him in prison. Oh, That's boy. a good idea. <laughs> it's completely we unreasonable. Do, we do have a friend who... It's completely unreasonable, and I like unreasonable. Oh, right, right. It, you would have to defy the odds and hustle oh, harder. Oh, boy. I mean, maybe with the power <laughs> of Defy Ventures, I mean, uh, yeah. you know, because they are multi-state. Because yeah. I, I, I think he's in Maryland, I want to say, and so, so that might yeah. be a stretch. But, I mean, Tatiana mm-hmm. has seen him in prison multiple times. Yeah. What you were talking about with the telecom uh, charges on how people in prison yeah. use the telecommunication network of today. Yes. Yeah, so the telecommunication network of today is not available uh, behind the prison walls. There is a conglomerate called JPay. Uh, there are actually two big companies that control all communications in and out of prison. And they capitalize on it. They, it's a it's a monopoly. And so typically, you know, if you were to communicate with people on the inside... It would cost them 15 cents per email. Per email. Per email. And you have to pay up front about $10.45, whatever is the, you know, 15, 15 cents, however many emails. On both sides, they take 15 cents per email. So I have, if I want to send yeah, an email you, you, to if a you, If you send an email, it'll cost you 15 cents. If he sends an email, he has to put money on his account wow. or someone needs to put money on his account. Otherwise, he can't communicate. Same thing with phones. I don't know. I don't remember what per minute call is. You have to do collect. Uh, they have to yeah, call collect. That's actually a big. And so it's the racket. only. It's the, it's a racket. It's it's a it's a racket upon racket. But going back to innovation, uh, yeah. there is a company here in Seattle by one of our, not gra- one of one of our people uh, who who uh, uh, one of my mentees, if you may. Alex Petter, who created a company called Corio, C-O-R-E-O. He created a telecommunication company mm-hmm. that creates that middle inch. So you're able to leave messages oh. for each other. It's kind of like Marco Polo, but it was just vo- digital voicemail. And it works incredibly well. It costs more money, unfortunately, because it has to. But it actually frees people from, imagine trying to make a call, and there's no one there, but the answering machine picks up. And now you actually pay money. Oh, there's nothing. And there's no way to actually access back and forth. So a lot of innovation can actually happen. And what I find is isolation is one of the surest way of keeping people incarcerated. Mm. If you want to rehabilitate people, the first and foremost is connect them to people who care. So when they write letters, is that still just a stamp then? or it's, I think it's, that's just a stamp, but that's okay. 45 cents, yeah. which, is, which is three cents more than their hourly wage. Their right. hourly wage is it's 42 40. cents an, uh, an hour. Prisoners get paid yeah. 42, 42 cents an hour. 42 cents an hour. Or 50 cents in the It's like this weird Washington's, class of... Uh, it's less than that in California. Less it's than it's in less California. than that. It's, it's actually a really good rate. It's, re- it's like this weird class of um, legally allowed exploitation of Slavery. a certain class of people. So, it's yeah. Really so, if people want to learn a little bit more about it, uh, there is a great book called American Prisons by Sean Bauer. Uh, he got a job, or listen to, he's got a job as a, a correctional officer in Wynn 
correctional uh, facility in Louisiana. It was mm-hmm. a privately owned prison. And and then he write he's a journalist for Mother Jones. And then he writes about that and writes about the history of prisons, oh incredibly powerfully. Because what runs prisons is for profit motives. And one of the things he talks about is, by the way, guys, those of you listening, I'm having so much fun here. And part of it is because I get to watch Ari's face going like, what? What? It's like, it's so expressive. Um, But uh, but yeah, so it all comes down to 13th Amendment. Uh, Yes. Uh, So 13th Amendment, for those of you who know your constitution, is the amendment that outlawed slavery, except in cases of incarceration. Wait, it says except in it says that in the Constitution. You've got to be kidding me. No, and actually, it was one of the selling points uh, for abolitionists to say, "Look, we're not going to enslave just a race. We're just going to enslave the people who do bad things, no, and they need they need time out anyways." And so there is a value there. It, I mean, it's more complicated than that. But the it was a really just learning about that from the book was really eye opening. And yeah, but right now we're no longer making money on the inmates, uh, on the prisoners. And we used to up until 1960s. It used to be a a revenue generator for the state. It wasn't a cost to the taxpayers. It actually brought money in because you would have chain gangs and you would have all kinds of things like that, picking cotton, especially in the South. Free labor, I mean, essentially. It would be free labor, essentially. And there are pros and cons to having uh, labor at 42 cents an hour. Uh, You actually need people to learn skills. But again, it's a, it's a complicated issue. What I want to say, though, is that if we stop thinking about incarceration as a punishment and start thinking about it as, uh, in terms of rehabilitation and unlocking people's potential, all of a sudden, it becomes a very different game. And it, it's a game that has money, that has revenue in it for the states and for the community as a whole, because we can untap these people's potential rather than just drop driving them into the ground. So, so, I mean, it's just uh, a testament further, further, further again about this system called the American justice system. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's the more you dive into it, it's more about the American injustice system. You know, our description of our podcast here is like, what part of your life does money not touch? And it's like, it's actually, you know, it's not necessarily justice system. It's a system of generating money and, and profits and another like shadow economy that are, you know, on the surface of it, like victimizing an entire class of uh, people. People. Well, uh, I, and that's where I think we're going back to the cryptocurrency. And I, knowing very little about it, know that perhaps that that, that holds the answer to empowering organizations like ours or people like the people we serve or homeless or others. And I love your idea of incentives, you know, and money is an incentive, but it's a very crude one, especially since we know, we don't know where that hundred dollar bill has been. Money (laughs) is power. Today Mm -hmm. it is the main form of power that different nation states and governments use to maintain power over its citizens. And it makes sense. You know, you have to have, forms of control it makes sense for them i think that and that's where i want to know it would be very interesting to see if uh cryptocurrency 
and in just general blockchain, right? I mean, cryptocurrency is just an on, expression. On the journey, yeah, yeah. Come I on mean, the blockchain, with us. right? Let's 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 talk about take the red pill. Take the red pill. <laughs> well, just remember, half the time we take the red pill, we feel like cipher and want to go back. <laughs> oh man! Because you don't want to eat <laughs> yeah. the porridge. You yeah. don't no. want to eat porridge. the porridge. I would like some steak. I would like some. I know the steak isn't real, <laughs> but you know the, it, you know it the best tastes so good. Like, I want to come back. As somebody important. important. I want to be a rock star. A rich director. <laughs> and I think he was. He wanted to be a Hollywood director. <laughs> Anyways, the the idea here is that we all have untapped potential. Yes. Uh, including those who are uh, locked up behind bars. Mm -hmm. And what would happen in our world if we focused on that? The idea of people asking, what did you do to land in prison? Like, we shouldn't ask that. We should be asking... What did you learn while you're in prison? Okay. The idea is, what did you do is not as relevant. Uh, because, you know, what if you were only known for the worst thing you've ever done? It's like a scarlet letter. I mean, you're just right. carrying and then that. So, and so, yeah. So the idea is, that the question to ask is, what did you learn in prison? And what when, I, when we teach our guys to interview... What we we tell him to say is like, I wish I could tell you that my past was straightforward and my job skills were totally straightforward, but it's not. In fact, I spent most of my young adult life uh, being a, in a criminal in a criminal environment, and I spend X number of years in prison. But what I've learned in prison is X, Y, and Z. And if you hire you, if you give me a chance. I will show you that I can work better, faster, more diligently, and I will learn in the way that you will be more than proud of and will will more than cover up the initial risk. Not to diminish the, the challenge of being in prison in any way, but what one of the things that surprised me the most is more than I more often than I would have ever imagined. Mm -hmm. People tell me prison sucks, yes. but it saved my life. Save my life. And the, it, that, that phrase exactly. And the reason is because in, in a way, prison takes you away from the uh, environment that caused people to be in the criminal lifestyle in the first place. Make bad choices. Yeah. And it might have taken them two or three or five or 10 years to get out of that mindset. Mm -hmm. But giving people a chance to get out of that is really powerful. But the challenge that I have for that is... What would happen if instead of when people come in, mm -hmm. we don't immediately start punishing them further, but actually take this as an opportunity to save their life, to give them an opportunity to save their own life. There's no saving somebody else's life. Mm. And so the new way of thinking about rehabilitation and reentry is actually that rehabilitation starts on the first day of incarceration. Mm. Rehabilitation starts on the first day of incarceration, not... 30 to 90 days before release. Right, right. And it's if you do, it's too late. It's really difficult. But the idea is you give people continuously chances. Mm -hmm. It's up to them to take it. They need to step up to the line. It cannot be required. Right, right. And I've learned that uh, by teaching in Edmonds Community College where they require people once they get in to stay in the class. Yeah. It was a tragedy. That doesn't work. It yeah. does not work. Yeah. You got to get people continuously to choose a different way of life. And if they can't, come back next year. Hence, defy ventures. Defy Yeah, defy the odds. Def defy the odds. Defy, defy your inclinations. Defy and the de defy the past. It is a powerful message that I fully embrace now. So I drank the Kool-Aid. Uh, and uh, now uh, I, I go to prison a lot. And our vision is really to be in every prison in Washington State. 
and to graduate um, over 2,000 graduates in the next five years, which, for those of you who don't know, there's about 19,860-some uh, incarcerated individuals in the state as of beginning of this year, mm -hmm. so only 20,000 people. Mm -hmm. So anything more than 2,000 people is over 10% of the incarcerated population. And I believe in critical mass theory, and if we get 13% of anything to do something powerful, we actually change the system as a whole. So that's what my goal is, to end mass incarceration as a whole. And it sounds like a crazy, crazy, crazy dream, but it's not. It's just get 13% 13, 13 of our population to, tr be to take responsibility, given the tools, and then those 13% will make what impossible inevitable. What I've learned is that we're all prisoners of our minds, right? From our past, mm -hmm. our first mother experience, our bad experience, X, Y, or Z, some bad choices that might have happened, maybe exposure to not so great mentors. Um, so hopefully mm -hmm. increasing exposure to better mentors. Um, and then I've also learned that um, I think what you said before, quote, incarcerate a state of mind, we're not just prisoners of our minds, we're also inc inc incarcerated members um, of this. We are not just the prisoners, we're also the wardens. We're also, we're also wardens. the correctional officers. <laughs> and so we are actually the system. And so it's very important to understand that we, we hold that power over ourselves and others. So there was a, a story <coughs> in the popular culture that came out about this guy in Korea. I think he's like an office worker out there mm -hmm. who purposely committed a crime so that he would be arrested, sent to jail. And it was because he wanted to get out of the rat race. He wanted to get out of the working 18 hours a day, you know, just in that perpetual motion of being the little squirrel hamster in the yep. wheel yeah. and just couldn't stand his life. So it's like, I'll just do a petty crime and I'm just going to go to jail for like, you know, a week or two or a month. I don't care. But it's like it's actually more peaceful in there. Did he? Did he? It's did like, he get there? It's like well, the whole story was like yeah, that he did it and went to prison and everything. Yeah, and so I'll have to find that article and, and share well, it you know, I, in yeah. the notes. But for those of the outtakes, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I I encourage you to to go and talk to my guys before you do that in, in, <laughs> don't in do the that. United yeah. States. Don't do that uh, in the States. Yeah, I think I think Korea might be a little nicer, <laughs> right. uh, but but who knows? But I don't know anybody who is in prison who wants to go back. Right, right. But uh, what what's interesting is what I what I say to the guys inside is that they're looking for the outside. They're looking for the time, right? I say, don't. There's nothing out there that's not here. It's not about the money or the freedom. I mean, all of that is nice. I, I don't deny it. But it's it's how you live your life. You still have the 24 hours. One of our graduates, her name is Ruth. She's a transgender inmate. She also has a blog. I'll find out exactly what it is. Uh, we'll post it. She spoke at our last event, and she said that when she came in, one of her mentors mm -hmm. pulled her aside and said that prison can be a womb or a tomb. Oh. And if you do not choose, oh, man. it will be chosen for you. It's already well, chosen for you. Well, not making a choice is a choice. That's right. If yeah. you don't choose, it will be made for you. Exactly. So she decided to make it a womb, to be born again, to, to transform her life. And it took her a long time. And now she is one of those beacons of hope that, you know, people you would never otherwise think of ever associating with somebody like that because of their belief systems. She transformed their lives. 
I uh, oftentimes I think womb or tomb. I often think about also, so we're Korean, Ari and I, and mm-hmm. you know our family lineage actually touches back into North Korea. When I think about the plight of the average citizen in North Korea, from the outside looking in, it looks like an utter total nightmare because there's famine, there's a totalitarian, authoritarian regime, there's you know the like, your threat of violence, all yeah. that kind of stuff. Their infrastructure is not up to date at all. There's no technology. There's hardly any sort of like commerce. You know, it just looks horrible. I'm right? sorry, you're talking about prison or North, North Korea? Korea? Exactly. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Right. That's what I'm saying. So it's like, <laughs> you know, from looking from the outside in, it's this terrible existence. But funny enough, I bet you that a decent number of those people there actually believe that that is the right way to live. They're they've been brainwashed. <laughs> And they think that that is actually the better way to be, it might be. than to be a capitalist pig. Or I just, was like you know, that. Like slave. I said, when I was upset yeah. at my parents, uh, I was mad at my parents, I called them capitalists. Mm. So uh, growing up in the Soviet Union. But I would tell you this, that even in the prison of North Korea, I would focus on a different breed of people. There are a breed of people there who already, they have the black market is alive and well in North Korea, just like it's alive and well mm. in every prison. Uh, one of the superintendent of the prison where I go, she said uh, last year, she said, Leo, I really like your program, but I really wish you wouldn't wear this shirt. I said, why? He said, well, because we are spending all our time trying to get these guys to stop hustling harder. <laughs> and I said, well, I understand with all due respect, but on my way to your office, three people have asked me for the shirt. And they're all your officers. <laughs> <laughs> So, so the idea is that we have hustlers. We have people who want to make something out of nothing everywhere. And the more you press them down, those who want to, they will come out. And that's the coolest thing about prison in that is people who show up in my room are already the cream. So like raise, they rise to the top. If I go to a room like that in America, in any networking event or whatever, I have no idea who's been born with a silver spoon in their, in their mouth mm-hmm. or who is ready to defy the odds. I have no clue. Right, right. Right? And if, even if I just get a room full of formerly incarcerated individuals in a room, I still will have no clue. Right? Mm. But in prison is like an ultimate survivor. I can absolutely, absolutely get get people to, to, to see who's the best. Defy the odds. Defy the odds. <laughs> All right. The cream on the top. Everything that I know about the prison versus jail system is something that I need to go read about and explore more about because I have a lot of um, probably biases and misinformation about the system. And really at the end of the day, what you're talking about in terms of like being prisoners of our minds is to have more empathy for humans, for other people. They're not just animals that we're going to throw into ba- prisons because they did bad things or they're bad people. They're, they're actually people that have made bad choices and they, they need help figuring out how to make better choices. Mm-hmm. Uh, having that empathy is really important. And then maybe uh, taking less of a stance on like, Let's be tough on these bad guys, but let's have empathy for these guys and treat them like human beings. Um, allow and find hugs. the ones uh, fi- uh, find, <laughs> allow hugs. Yeah. That was from a different from uh, a different conversation. But yeah, the idea is you want to find humanity in each of us yeah. because when we do, we actually find humanity in ourselves. Mm. And uh, for those for those people who are religious and uh, Christian. There is a huge, and I'm not, 
but there's a there's a big part of a Christian doctrine that focuses on working with people in prisons mm. and working with people who are underprivileged and actually showing them mercy and showing them grace and showing them support because through them we are redeemed. Mm. And while I'm not a big fan of redemption as a theological concept, I am a huge fan of redemption in a practical sense. Mm that each of us can be redeemed. Every one of us can be forgiven and can forgive others. Mm. And we're be- better to practice it than inside a prison. At least that's what I have found. And um, the other thing that I wanted to mention is that when we bring people to prison as mentors, mm-hmm. they do get a lot out of it. But when they come out, they have the power, right? You see, if I help people, uh, and programs like mine help people on the inside or on the outside, to get a job or to to not go back to prison with not that's all nice and good but it doesn't going it's not going to change the system the system is going to ch- be changed by people who have power and it is you and I it is people who are listening to the podcast who have the power so if we change our minds we just by that act alone we're going to change the system mm-hmm. and that's really powerful and that's really exciting so rather than looking at the negative parts of it which mm-hmm. there are plenty we have an opportunity to change the system as a whole just by becoming more aware and, you know, getting out of our own little bubble. Having empathy. Having empathy, getting out of the prison of our own minds, and co- and for some of you, coming to prison with me. <laughs> yeah, I had a friend back in my school days who was uh, very critical of religion, and he said that uh, if you call yourself a Christian, he was very passionate about this. If you call yourself a Christian and you're not down there in the poorest of areas and in prisons and in like the, the ghettos and trying to help people help themselves, help them get out of the miserable state that they're in, you are not a Christian. And he was he was very, very emphatic about that idea. And then just to kind of throw in a lighter note about this, um, there's that old joke, religion would be okay if it wasn't for all the people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think I think that what I find when I go and volunteer in prison that more than half of the programs mm-hmm. in prison uh, are religious. Oh, really? Which also means that half of the prison programs are non-religious. So mm-hmm. whether you're religious or not religious, whether you have that inclination, you have a capacity and opportunity to help. Whether it's Alcoholic Anonymous, whether it's Bridges to Life whether it's game prevention, whether it's Toastmasters, mm. whether it's Defy Ventures, there are opportunities to really transform people's lives in a way that, frankly, even I am in the business of changing people's lives. Ari, you know that. But I've never found such return on investment as I found in prisons. So if you're in the business of transforming lives, listen, I got, I got a prison trip to sell you. December 5th. December 5th is the first one, but then we'll have one, I think it's March 12th, and then uh, June 11th, and then September 10th are the four dates. Please keep in touch about those dates, and we'll we'll also tell our listeners, and uh, include the information in our show notes. Absolutely, and the other thing we'll, in the show notes, we'll include some uh, links to videos. Uh, There was a 360 documentary called Step to the Line that was uh, presented at Tribeca in 2017 that's really powerful. And then a couple of other uh, tools that you can get to see about more details. So you get to learn and share. And uh, I want to also ask for people to donate. Mm -hmm. Uh, The best way to donate is to go to defywa.org and just press the donate button. They'll give you an opportunity. $100 pays for the books. $500 pays for five sets of books. 
$2,200 pays for a full scholarship for one of the EITs. And, you know, if you have more money, if you can actually support a program, you know, it costs right now $110,000 to run a full program. Once we get into three or four programs, it will be closer to sixty or $70,000 per program. Mm-hmm. So it's all about scale. Right. And uh, those of you who are passionate about uh, blockchain and uh, uh, Bitcoin and uh, currency, perhaps there is a way that we can implement that as a value proposition, as a donation tool. Um, I am completely, I'm opening it up for the universe to see how that works. Universe and Ari. Uh, to see how it works, and I am really encourage you guys to bring your new crazy ideas, no matter how crazy they are, uh, because I have some hustlers who will be able to take it up and run with it. Awesome. awesome. Well, thanks a lot, Leo. My it's pleasure. Been a pleasure, and uh, learned a ton in this. So much. So yeah, greatly appreciate your time. Yeah, and I want to encourage you. If people can donate like a hundred or more dollars on our site. We can. I have these really cool stickers that uh, are defy the ad stickers, and I'd be more than happy to send you one because I think you will. You can put it on your computer or your desk, and to remind yourself that even you can defy any odds if you have the right tools and the right people around you. Awesome! Thank you so much, Leo, for your time. Uh, thank you to our listeners. Uh, definitely check out our show notes for more information about uh, supporting and learning more about Defy Ventures and Leo. And if you're interested in the trip that's coming up on December 5th or upcoming trips, definitely uh, reach out to one of us, um, one or all, any of us, and we'd be happy to bring you along on the journey. Uh, since Day and I will also be there on December 5th, we'll make sure that we share that story during and or after, depending on what's allowed in the prison system. But that'll be absolutely fascinating, and I'll do a lot of reading before then. And again, for uh, those that are listening, it's really important to us to be able to share these stories with uh, you um, about the community and all the good work that's being done. And so please rate, review, subscribe, and share. All right, you got it. Rate, (laughs) review, subscribe, share. Rate, review, subscribe, (laughs) share. Rate, (laughs) review, subscribe, share. I'm going to use that. Uh, Check out the Cash App. Uh, Make sure to use our referral code that gives us $5 and you $5. Um, Also allows you to check out a new on-ramp to this Bitcoin cryptocurrency world. I'll be signing up today. Yes, and I might be doing a donation to Defy Ventures too. Yay! And then uh, thank you to our sponsors, the WTIA, CoinMe, Fresh Chalk, and Dragon Chain. Uh, Without you, we would not be doing these wonderful stories and uh, sharing them with you. Thank you. And together we rise. Be nice, y'all. Bye-bye. Defy the odds. This is Jenny from Charlotte. None of the statements or opinions expressed in this podcast by the guests or its host is to be taken as financial or legal or psychological or dietary advice or a solicitation of any kind to participate in a conservative or risky or speculative financial instrument that may or may not require accredited investor status as defined by either the Securities and Exchange Commission of the United States of America or independent thought and rational thinking from the laws of humanity. By listening, you acknowledge that the hosts Arian Day and their guests are not financial advisors or legal scholars of any kind, but only humans and not sentient, intergalactic alien life forms. All statements made in this podcast by any living or dead or unborn or zombie or robotic entity in the past, present, or future of the space-time continuum of the known universe are purely ironic or coincidental thoughts and opinions. 
Moments of sarcasm, sadness, education, glee, entertainment, or any other emotion found in this podcast are fully your responsibility and reaction that may or may not be intended for the listener in any way, shape, or form. Mature adult discretion is strongly advised. Thank you for listening. What are you getting? Philly cheesesteaks. Somewhere else? Yeah. Oh, okay. Do they have spicy available? Philly cheesesteaks don't go spicy. Uh, we have. Oh yeah, you just bought sriracha. Yes. Okay, so can so you? So you want to go? You want to go close like this? Is this what you want? Uh, you can or be like a little this? bit further back, yeah. But as long as you kind of just uh, talk Project. normally like this, and yeah. you can do that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> do you bring you your go. people always here, or yes. do you? No, pretty much. Well, we we do do the traveling pots, but that's a big ordeal. But I think we should also. C- like um, for parents, you know, like you. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. I'm a, I have day. a, I have kids. I have two kids, uh, five and seven. I have a funny story about my son going to school, and when people say, "What does your dad do?" He's like, "He he's in prison," and uh, <laughs> and then he added, he added proudly, "When when I grow up, I want to go to prison too." Uh, I got a phone call. I got a phone call so about funny. that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean, uh, a little humor. And yeah, funny is good. Uh, and you know, it's it's really interesting that this this story about your uh, how pervi- how pervasive this whole good and bad, good person, bad person thing is, and how my kids are no longer doing that. So you may see me raise my hand if I want to ask a question or kind of like, um, I don't know, go into a different direction. And so me and Ari have been doing this a lot, but we still argue Day about stays everything. Here, and I stay here. <laughs> and sometimes you'll see things I don't see and there's things I see. So we'll, we'll just try and make sure like. Thank you again. You so much time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Sure. I, I bet we can go on and on and on. Thank yeah, you. I know. Seriously. <laughs> well, we'll come back. We'll, we'll come back. I'd love to do a sequel after you guys come back from prison, and then I'll interview you. Oh, boy. This is a new kind of... <laughs> a new format. <laughs> I'm going to be interviewing, so you went to prison, so tell me about it. Oh, boy. You should. Yeah, and then we'll have photos, too. It'll be intense.